Hello, it's Thursday the 30th of November. I'm Andrew Harrison and I'm caught in a tug of love between Wordle and Sudoku. Welcome to Papercuts, home of the elevated newspaper review, where we keep taking the tabloids on your behalf and the doctors say it'll get better eventually. By the way, public service announcement, if you want to get your Christmas presents sorted early, we recommend the excellent Papercuts mugs, hoodies and t-shirts on sale at podmarket.co.uk. That's P-O-D market.co.uk 10% off for Black Friday is still just about in effect so have a look now here are today's most enticing stories Johnny remember me history's most horrible contraceptives in the Guardian it's the news deadlines the BBC cuts Newsnight so savagely they might as well have closed it down says the Times and nerd immunity the nerdy glasses and nerdy book teeth on Apple's nerd emoji are bad for nerds says nerdy kid 10 Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, the newspaper equivalent of your Spotify wrapped. You thought you spent all year reading serious political analysis and all the important book reviews, didn't you? No, it turns out you spent 28% of your time finding out whether horoscopes cure cancer from the mail, 18% on the Telegraph telling you Maltesers are woke, 32% on the Guardian telling you that Maltesers are problematic, and the rest on the Stars War on psycho scumbag seagulls. Be honest with yourself, if not with us. Let's meet today's guests who are going to be taking the papers to pieces. Hello to political correspondent at joe.co.uk and the woman who discovered London's £4.50 half of Guinness, Ava Santina. Hello. Good morning. I didn't buy it. I wouldn't ever buy a half. £4.50 for a half? Where the hell was this? Can I name where it was? Go on, name and shame. It's a place called Bistro Freddy, which is in Shoreditch. Well, what do you expect? Yeah. £4.50 for half of Guinness. This is a war crime. Welcome back to to Philomena Cunt co-creator. And discoverer of fried egg flavour crisps, Jason Hazley. Morning. Fried egg flavour crisps, yeah. what? Um, wow, do they divide opinion. They really divide opinion because when you open the bag, you get this really hefty hoy of fried eggs. The crisps actually taste like crisps, ordinary crisps, but they smell like fried eggs. So it's a real, it, it really divides a room. I don't open that bag of those crisps <laughs> in, in a lift is what I'm saying. Anyway, never mind all that. What have we got on the front pages today? Ava. Right, so the front page of The Guardian, it's the news that air pollution from fossil fuels is killing 5 million people a year. Cheery stuff. On the front of the eye, the UK pensions triple lock is under threat from 2025. Interesting, because the eye is not read by the pensioners who read the mail, and the eye is for a younger reader who might go, you know, yeah, fine, good, yes. do it, well, do that, it now. That sort of outrageous transfer of wealth that is going on between young people and older people might, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. It might infuriate a few. And they've also got the Newsnight story we're going to talk about a little bit later, haven't they? Newsnight on the chopping block. Yes, and the news that we've got the new male contraceptive, potentially. Yes, we might be looking at that particular horror later as well. Front page of The Telegraph is the incredibly grim story that a hostage baby died in Gaza, Yeah. according to Hamas. The Times are also leading on that story as well, but alongside the migrant deal delays, which is putting the Rwandan help at risk. So this is that we were meant to be doing an exchange with Rwanda. So some refugees or asylum seekers would be allowed to come here and we would send some people who arrived on small boats to Rwanda. Those people who are meant to come here, not coming. This is like the kind of equivalent of approve this or I'll shoot this kitten. Wow. That kind of thing. You know, you're putting the help to Rwanda at risk by not approving our small boats Rwanda plane scheme. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty cruel. Yeah, sure. But it'd be nice to see Arsenal get involved. You know, Arsenal are big uh, yeah. pro-Rwanda, aren't they? That's yeah. all over their football shirts. Sleeve sponsors. So, you know, where are they in all of this? That's Absolutely. what I want to know. The silence of Arsenal. Uh, Jason, what have you got? <laughs> the Mirror 
has nightmare at A&E, 54% of casualty units are failing and worse to come with winter surge. The Sun is going with Megan's Revenge. Uh, this is more of that uh, Omid Scobie book. Duchess leaked two race round names. Payback after her rift with royals. So basically, somehow it's all Megan's fault. Yes. Okay, right. Yes. All roads marked blame lead to Megan. We know this now, don't we? Fair enough. The Mail also has that story. Outrageous royals in Scobie book race round named on TV. But that's not the best thing on their front page. The best thing on their front page is up in the skyline, which is this. My mum sent me to school without being potty trained and it's blighted my life. Says who? Says, uh, says, uh, says, uh, says page 38. Says, uh, it says an efficient-looking young lady. Uh, now, uh, how much money would you have to be paid to admit to something like that? Yeah. Um, also, well, it, it blighting her life hasn't stopped it being and her on the front page of the Daily Mail. So it's not, not, not as big a blight, perhaps, as maybe she thinks. Being on the front of the Daily Mail has blighted my life. There's your story. Yeah, that's true, yes. Mm. The star has down with this sort of thing with a picture of Father Ted and Father Dougal, except they have been kind of turned into androids. And the story is top boffins predict psycho robots will spell the end for our vicars and priests and just about everybody else. So essentially it is the... It it is another AI story, and they've turned Ted and Dougal into Terminators. Yes. What is wrong with the Tedminator? It was right there, I mean, right yeah, in of front course. of them. Of course. Get a grip, mm. the star. Again, you, so you're really good at this headline thing. There's a there's a sub in you, isn't there? That's where he should stay. <laughs> <laughs> On days of relentless misery like these, it is good that we've got the papers here to protect us from the news. And The Guardian has two belters for us today. In fact, we don't focus on The Guardian enough. In the G2 section, there is shock of the old, 10 agonising and awful contraceptives. Fear of pregnancy is as old as time, it says the, the intro, as are half-baked attempts at preventing conception. Read on if you dare, writes Emma Beddingson. And on the front page, given pride of place above the masthead, the question we've all been asking, Gwyneth Paltrow, is she having us all on. <laughs> Let's take a look at that uh, contraception story because it is quite the leg crosser. I'm literally doing it now. Ava, what have we got here? Well, we've been travelling through contraception, you know, mm. throughout the last century or couple of centuries. The best one, I thought, was the sheepskin condom sort of thing, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, it seemed to have wires inside of it, quite stiff wires, yeah. and then a sheep intestine draped over it. Yes. And, and I it's as big as an Arctic roll as well, so people were quite different in those days. Well, apparently, yes. you know, so that's one thing that Britain was leading <laughs> yes. in at one point. But then there's also this amazing urethra stropper, which I'm not quite oh, sure how God. that works. Oh. Yeah. Um, I was going to bring mine in today, but I forgot it, so we can't do show and tell. Urethra stropper. She was um, great, wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but also the, um, the revelation that the chastity belt may not have actually been real. It may ah. have just been an idea and that perhaps we have interpreted it too literally. Well, um, As well as the extra revelation that you can buy chastity belts on Etsy. I thought this was a great piece, actually. I think Emma, Emma Beddingson just hits a really good note of fascinated horror in the whole thing. In the first three paragraphs, we meet blacksmith water, uh, which is supposed to drink. Women are supposed to drink deliciously fortified with lead, she says. We discover Elizabethans anointing the penis with rock salt, tar, balm, oil with white lead, sweet oil, juice of onion, balsam and sesame oil, which is a a small plates menu smash where I come from <laughs> and the best of the lot Canadian beaver testicle tea which now I would have thought that would make you more fertile 
thought you might have a beaver instead. Would make you quite potent, wouldn't it? Because you use you use um, beavers for perfume, don't you? Musk. Yes. yes. So perhaps if you just want very potent sex, that's how you would go about it. Having read all this stuff, it is no wonder <laughs> sex didn't get invented until 1963. It looks horrific. It looks like David Cronenberg designed sex mm-hmm. from basically early human history until about 1963. So do you think during the mid-19th century, men were walking around with very large wired uh, sheep's intestines poking out <laughs> of their wallets? Possibly. Something for the weekend, sir. And this huge <laughs> bit of rotting sheep gut is deposited in your lap. Yes. Jason, what was your favourite ancient contraceptive out of all this? I was very amused by, by the fact that quite a few of them were effectively emetics, yes. so that a woman could puke her way out of having sex, <laughs> <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is novel. Yes. Um, the, um, there was the one with the using the end of a lemon, a hollowed out lemon, as a diaphragm, effectively. Which, Didn't Led Zeppelin do a song about this? Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, and But the, oh God, the, the urethra stopper. I mean, this... Stop mentioning the urethra stopper. I know, but reading this piece, Honestly, uh, my balls ended up behind my eyes. <laughs> they just, oh, it was so horrible. Well, Emma Madison described it as the first male internal contraceptive device. And like all of our female listeners are now going, yeah, you see, you see, <sighs> you see, you've had it so easy for so long, you fuckers. This is what it's about. I mentioned this story to my teenage son last night and he said, have they got the Kit Kat wrapper? And I went, <laughs> what? It, this, I've got a Kit Kat What's here. Kit Kat? Right? This, Visual apparently... Aid. You can, if I just free the Kit Kat one, yeah. you can use this as, as a condom. Oh, no. That was now, a, very, I, it's a very sexy crinkle there I don't, for the, on the phone. I don't like the idea of this being anywhere near my bits. What What do you think? Would you like that near your bits? I mean, right now, no. <laughs> Ever? Uh, it, it, it's a chunky. It's not, it's years not a regular one. It's a chunky. I know. Well, you know, men do seem to go, go over the top. Exaggerate, with the, yes. Yeah. Yeah. This reminds me of an ancient old song called The Irish French Letter. Uh, right. It is a it is a bawdy song about somebody <laughs> who discovers in a bog a relic from Brian Baru, the great Irish hero, and the the final payoff lines is I'm afraid it's the hairy side outside tonight for you, my dear. So you know, quick cat rapper, who's going to get the seam? I don't want the seam. Oh God, the seam. Yeah, terrible. imagine the seam. Let's have a look at the Gwyneth Paltrow story in, in G2. I'd be interested to know what contraceptives Gwyneth Paltrow is, is selling. It's Zoe Williams on the Goop Christmas Guide. And, and Zoe does admit that ripping Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop list to pieces has been a media staple for years. But it's so fun. There's the $15,000 gold-plated vibrator. Don't rub the gold off. The $400 wheel of Parmesan. And the infamous This Smells Like My Vagina candle. Ava, you have opinions on these, do you not? Uh, well, I have most of my opinions are on vagina steaming, which Gwyneth yes. is very into. It's probably the worst thing that you can do to yourself. Is it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not very healthy. Worse than eating like we, six do we, pizzas. Do we want to get into this of why it's not very good for you? Well, we're so far down the road, but, you might as well. <laughs> I think the overall point is, I think that she perhaps sells a side of womanhood that is totally unnecessary and is actually mm. very damaging to to a lot of women. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, it, ripping into goop though is uh, is almost a, a kind of mental exercise now, isn't it? It's, sure. I mean, what, what is all this expensive bullshit actually giving women? Uh, a complex. Yeah. <laughs> And I do actually have, I told you, didn't I? I have her vagina candle. It was bought for me for my birthday. Um, When I told you what it smelled like, you weren't very happy with it. Uh, Give give the (laughs) podcast-friendly version of what it smells like. I said that it smelled like umami. Yeah. So it smells like, as you rightly pointed out, Chinese takeaway. 
It is, yeah, it is the fifth taste that's supposed, or the sixth taste, whatever, that's supposed to make everything else tastier. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the Gwyneth Paltrow vagina candle actually burned a friend of mine's house down because she left it on overnight and Gwyneth Paltrow got the blame. Whether this made the entire district smell like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina is yet to be ascertained. What was your uh, favourite bit of uh, Zoe Williams' kind of dive into the world of goop? Because she's she is, uh, you know, the whole point of this thing is, is... Gwyneth Paltrow playing an elaborate practical joke. Has she turned wellness into a very, very lucrative way for people to overdose on irony? And the byproduct is, as you say, women have a nervous breakdown about themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that perhaps the author there might have been too analytical. Mm. And I think that Gwyneth Paltrow actually does believe this. If you ever watch any of her videos on TikTok or Instagram, I, I truly do not believe... do that. Really? Do you not remember you didn't watch the big bone broth drama that unfolded a couple of months ago? <laughs> what was this? She drinks litres and litres of bone broth and she was telling other women that they should too to look as young as she does. And look, I'm going to be really awful here. And Catty, she does not look that young. So it's not worth it. How old is she? In her fifties, isn't she? Is she? Yeah. I think so. I mean, she's not. An, she's an attractive so woman. So she looks basically me like me. Okay. But hypothetically, if I if I had been spending, you know, eighteen thousand pounds on a gold plated vibrator and steaming my vagina, I would want to look better. Yeah. Basically, all you're drinking is posh Bovril. Mm-hmm. You would expect there to be, you know, basically all she's drinking is a posh version of, you know, super noodles with the noodles taken out. Yes. So, which I do. Yeah. So I'm healthy too. She could charge hundreds and hundreds of dollars for this. What is more valuable to society? Women allegedly feeling better about themselves by getting the vagina steamed, asterisk, they won't. Or everybody, all of us feeling better about ourselves by saying, look at this bullshit. Surely the look at this bullshit thing is better for communal mental health than actual... It's, it's got stuff. to be. It's got to be. Zoe Williams is trying a bit too hard in this piece by by trying to say, could this all be performance art? No, it's not performance art. It's just capitalism doing its usual thing of establishing a need by causing an anxiety and saying, I think we can get rid of this anxiety if you give me your money. There's a great quote in this piece from Dr. Jen Gunter, a Canadian gynaecologist and specialist in chronic pain and vulvovaginal disorders. Gunter says, tampons are not vaginal death sticks. Vegetables with lectins are not killing us. Vaginas don't need steaming. Epstein-Barr virus does not cause every thyroid disease. And for fuck's sake, no one needs to know they're latex farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Now, back to the serious world of serious news. The BBC has announced that it is cutting back Newsnight as part of a £500 million cost-cutting operation. The Times reports that the programme will be cut to a 30-minute debate show. It will lose its team of dedicated reporters, drop its investigative reports and be shortened by 15 minutes. Deborah Turnus, chief executive of BBC News, said the decision was in response to changing audience habits and committed to keeping it on air five nights a week. Elsewhere in the paper, the columnist Carol Midgley says Newsnight has not been cut back. It has been killed off. Ava, this came as a, a, quite a big shock. We tend to think of Newsnight as one of those Im immovable and very valuable things on the on the media schedule. You know, today programme in the morning where the ministers get their bullshit out. Newsnight in the evening when it gets dismantled. 34 reporters are going to go. There's going to be no more actual reports. How big a deal is this? Huge. It's. I mean, it's in a long string of cuts that the BBC are making, including cuts to local radio. And that's important because all of that local journalism feeds into the big 
mothership. And that's how we find out about things that are going on in certain areas. I was listening to the Today programme this morning and in the headlines there was one story which came directly from Newsnight which aired last night and it was a very, very serious story about this hospital in Sussex. It was an incredible piece of journalism. The next item on the bulletin was this uh, th- yeah. this woman talking about how irrelevant Newsnight's journalism is. So it yeah. can't be both, can it? How can you have one of the biggest stories in the headlines simultaneously next <laughs> saying that Newsnight is important? Yeah, and you know, they've had a, a, you know, Newsnight has been a generator of fantastic so it's not least the sort of jewel in the crown of the BBC recently, which was the mateless interview with Prince Andrew, which is a pure Newsnight thing. Apparently, the logic now is that there will be a central hub of uh, reporters where all stories will kind of go into the centre of the BBC and then be disseminated out. This sounds like an absolute bureaucratic nightmare. And as people have pointed out, when somebody has a piping hot story, they want it to go on Newsnight. They want it to be, you know, part of the kind of centrepiece. They don't want it just just to be kind of farmed out to whatever uh, outlet the BBC feels like. The idea of a 30-minute discussion show, this is basically every single other politics show, isn't it? People shouting at each other. We don't need it. We don't need another one. You've got many other channels that you can go to. The point of the BBC and the point of why the licence fee is so important is it gives you the journalism that commercial outlets won't chase after because it's too expensive to do. And getting rid of this platform for it is just really sad. You know, Emily Maitlis was talking about it last night. She did a few tweets. She said that there is no way the Prince Andrew interview would be able to happen today because of how much money it cost, how much time was put into it and the calibre of journalists that were around at the time. Well, Carol Midgley, and it is a pretty good piece, uh, al- although in some respects a bit rich that it's in the Times, so we'll discuss that in a minute. Basically a live obit for the programme, she says, turning it into a debate show suggests that the BBC is reacting to competition from the likes of Talk TV and GB News. I mean, this is they're not competition. They're there as political chess pieces to try and distort the media market. The BBC has had years now of not defending itself properly. It is terrible at defending itself. The BBC should be saying, you're just the Daily Mail, we're the BBC, we don't care. Yeah. You know, they should have some have some fucking cojones. Um, they don't. Um, they are very apologetic and they're getting meeker and meeker. And the background to this is the BBC has been under sustained attack from this government since it got in. It's had a 30% real-term fall in incomes uh, between 2010 and 2020. It'll be even more by now. They were forced to pay uh, for free licences for the over 75s by the Conservatives, who then blamed them when they took that benefit away because of cost cuts imposed by the Conservatives. They they took away the funding for the World Service, which has also gone down the fucking pan since then. Yeah, and the World Service being the most important soft power thing that Britain had. The the most important. But no, let's just use it as a stick to beat the BBC with. You know, it's to, to see this happen now, it does feel like the end of something. It does. It actually feels existential. It feels like this is what else is there on the BBC that represents this sort of news coverage? You know, the, yeah. there's the Today programme, which is still the kind of flagship bit of news from the BBC. But so that will be next. Yeah. That'll be the next thing. That's a three-hour programme. We can take an hour off that easily straight away, remove yeah. some reporters from that. One interesting thing that is quite positive, they're beefing up the BBC Verify side, which fact-checks everything. <sighs> ah, now, hate you hate it. <laughs> Why do you hate it? Because everything is meant to be BBC Verify. <laughs> You're meant to be watching a news programme that is verified already by having a side project that is holding the main news programme to account, it questions the, it makes the viewer question the validity of the 10 o'clock news. 
because mm. you've got this side profile. Yeah. So the BBC <laughs> is about to start what the Conservatives said will be the last ever licence fee negotiations. Yeah, that's, fuck off. That's to be decided. That was a Nadine Dorries brain fart yep. that was thrown into policy. But it's going to be negotiating with the Conservative government that A, knows it is doomed and it's going to lose the next general election, and B, is dedicated to salting the earth. It wants to trash everything it can on the way out. Do you think we're going to have a yet another punitive licence fee settlement? Will there be one at all? Depressingly, I think, yes, there will be. There'll be more cut, more things that we like will go. I know this point has been made a thousand times by a thousand people, but who, which institution was it that educated children during the lockdowns? Yeah. Right? That's how valuable the BBC is. You know, I mean, the, the tabloids, the right-wing press does go for the BBC for various things that just, you know, suit its agenda, but the BBC does a lot of very good, important stuff, and it shouldn't be being kicked you know, we need it. We need this thing. Without it, we're in a, an American fucking landscape. And you look at the state of American news, you know, yeah. CNN, relatively sensible. But when you get down the rabbit holes of Fox and One American News Network and uh, Sinclair and all, it's insane. It's fucking insane and damaging. Now, the Japanese have the haiku. Shakespeare had the sonnet. The Koreans have the three-line Shijo poem. And Britain has holiday to Spain ruined by too many Spaniards in Spanish hotel. <laughs> the newspaper headline, it makes life worth living. What masterpieces have we spotted across today's crop of papers? Jason. Well, on page 25 of The Sun, there is a story about... Uh, Macbeth fans, is that a thing? Um, They're called Macbethites. <laughs> yeah. Or Mac Macbethies. Macbethies. Yeah. Macbeth fans have been issued with trigger warnings about postnatal depression in a new production. Um, David Tennant is starring as Macbeth in the Donmar Warehouse. And so the headline is... Is this a trigger I see before me? That's pretty sophisticated. It's not bad, and it's, it? it's, yeah. yes, it's assuming that some readers know uh, some lines from Macbeth as well, which is good. I well done. That, yeah, credit them with the, uh, some intelligence. In the mirror, we have the ongoing blah 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 about um, Omid Scobie's book, um, Royal Bollocks. Yes. More Royal Bollocks, and the headline for that is. Pulped Friction, Omid Scobie's book. The name of whoever was saying racist things uh, appeared in the Dutch version of the book, apparently. I'm not quite sure how that happened. They must have been working from a different text, mustn't they? Like, not the final text. Well, the translator got it early to work on. Yeah, I guess so. But it doesn't um, even appear in the book, in, the, in our version of the book, this paragraph. That's what's mm, so curious about it's it. It's a whole paragraph? Yes. Wow, okay. Totally curious. So, um, so the so the Dutch version of the book has had to uh, have done to it what happens to books, which is that they're pulped, uh -huh. leading to the headline "pulped friction." I think that's pretty good. It's not bad. It's is not it? given the friction amongst our beloved royals. And finally, the makers of baked beans fueled greedflation. Greedflation, more fucking Franken words, which is itself a Franken word. Fueled greedflation by hiking prices to boost their profits. A watchdog found. So baked beans have been too expensive, and the headline is "We've been had." Yay! That's Yay. pretty good. Ava, you've got a full sweep of the star, haven't you? I do. Because it is Britain's best paper. 
definitely. Um, the first story from the star is that uh, so this is Rishi Sunak yesterday during Prime Minister's questions. He lost his marbles over mm-hmm. um, a snub to the Greek Prime Minister. That's when he didn't turn up to a meeting with Mitsotakis over the uh, the uh, Elgin marbles. And the headline is Acropolis Now. That's good, isn't it? That's such a good headline that we actually had it on paper cuts earlier this week. Really? We re- yeah, we, were, we wrote it in as a stupid little headline. Oh. The star, are you listening to paper cuts? Are you pinching on stuff? <laughs> if so, you're welcome to. The star, you should it. listen to paper cuts. We're your biggest fans. Yeah, Britain's best paper. The next story from the star, there's a whole bunch of dorks who are absolutely losing it over these uh, dinosaur prints that look quite bird-like. Mm-hmm. And the headline is Tweety... Sa- oh gosh, how Tweety do I say saw. it? Tweety saw. I was going to read that as Tweety sour, but that's because I've got whiskey sours in my head. <laughs> Tweety saw. Tweety saw. Fair enough. Jolly mm. good. All right. So the last story in the star is this cross-country skier. Mm-hmm. Big star, apparently. Apparently, you could be quite a, a star of skiing. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. Anyway, so his frozen pole means he can't have any more children. And the headline is Freeze Willy. What? He got frostbite out on the whatever yes, it is. So that means he's got something in common with Prince Harry. Do you remember when Prince Harry... Got a little bit of frostbite. Did he? Yes, he did. On the royal chap. How do you not know this? Because yeah. I avoid all royal bollocks. I don't, I, That's I, very good. Sorry. <laughs> because I avoid <laughs> I didn't know I was saying that. Anyway, right, yeah, freeze Willie. <laughs> now, we, ha- we have to have a moment of uh, oh, just a game recognises game in the metro. Fantastic story. There is a part of a canal in Lincoln called Glory Hole... Lincolnshire Fire and Rescue were called to High Bridge in the city centre when a passerby saw a man on, on the ledge of the bridge. Ray Fisher was attempting to use the glory hole on his boat, but the current was too strong. And the headline is, Man got so stuck in glory hole, firefighters had to pull him until he was free. Now, I think the Metro did that deliberately, don't you? I, I think, think they know what they're doing. They yeah. knew what, you knew what you'd do in the Metro. It's basically turning out to be sex week on paper cuts, isn't it? Sex day, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, at least it's sex week somewhere. It's not all sex, condoms made of corrugated iron and the final destruction of all journalism in the papers today. What about all the other stuff? The Times has their take on a story that's been absolutely everywhere. Nerd emoji is an unpleasant spectacle. Teddy Cottle, age 10 from Oxfordshire, has launched a petition calling for Apple to change the offensive and insulting emoji for nerd because it's got glasses and two prominent front teeth and it looks like Chris Evans. Jason... I mean, God bless him, 10-year-old Teddy. But is this going to have the desired effect of stopping the bullying? No, this, like, no, no two bits of this story add up at all. So this young lad, Teddy Cottle, he wears glasses, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he has decided that the, um, that the emoji for a nerd, which is a happy face with two prominent front teeth and glasses, is offensive. So he's redrawn it as a thing with glasses but no poking out front teeth. The problem here, there's so many problems here. Um, The first one is Apple is not responsible for the emojis. The emojis are governed by Unicode. So he is asking Apple to do something where Apple will just have to say, I'm so sorry, you're talking to the wrong person. Mm. Um, His petition has 100 signatures, which is not going great. Um, And he wants to change the name of the emoji from the to the genius emoji rather than the nerd emoji. That would be a totally different emoji, wouldn't it? It That would be be somebody with a light bulb over their head, you know. It would be Einstein. It's always Einstein, isn't it? Yeah. And then it's offensive because what you can't be a genius if you don't wear glasses. 
No, you can't be a genius if you don't wear glasses. Yeah, People well, wear as glasses, I've proved stupid. on this podcast today, because I can't even handle opening a paper, and I'm not wearing glasses. <laughs> um, Teddy said, we want to change this. Apple are making it absolutely horrible for people wearing glasses. They're making people think we're nerds, and it's absolutely horrible. As a nerd, I say, Teddy, own into it, lean into it. Absolutely. Become a tech tyrant. Take your revenge <laughs> at leisure. You know, this is, this is how Zuckerberg got to be a, a billionaire. He didn't go, stop calling me a nerd. He went and... Punish the world. Speaking of tech tyrants, uh, The Guardian and The Independent both have deep dives on Spotify Wrapped. Madly, The Guardian only put those online, which is very strange. Spotify Wrapped, the uh, the summary of your years listening, which went live yesterday for millions of people around the world. And everybody is checking and they're terrified to discover that they just streamed I'm Just Ken all year instead of cool stuff. The Guardian has Spotify's head of marketing saying it's almost like election night. The top artists streaming in 2023 were Taylor Swift, Bad Bunny. Uh, the top podcast was The Joe Rogan Experience. Don't worry, we'll get them next year. Ava, you're a Spotify user. Were you shocked and amazed by your Wrapped? Uh, no, I, I'm just disappointed to see that I spent 10.99 a month to listen to the same three albums for an entire year, which is yeah. quite sad, really. Which you could have bought and saved seventy quid. I well, yeah, I could have done, but then I wouldn't have this amazing exercise in data collection. Which, by the way, is so <laughs> fascinating because what Spotify have done here is they've shown us that they are watching us at all times, right? They're watching everything you do on their app and they're collecting data on you. They know where you are at all times. They know what you're doing in your free time, what you're listening to. But somehow they've spun it into this incredible PR exercise to make it fun. It's like going to Tesco's and them saying, hey, here's a list of all the crap you brought this year. But we do that because I share what, like, I get, oh, this is so sad. Nectar let you see how many items you've bought or whatever. And at one point, I was the number one buyer of black olives in my local Sainsbury's. <laughs> that is the most middle-class thing I've ever read in my life, and I strive to be as middle-class as I possibly can. That's more middle-class than fried egg crisps. I don't even remember eating that many black olives. But I must do. <laughs> Maybe you accidentally scanned one packet a million times. By, Maybe. Yeah. God, it's a, it's a data glitch, isn't it? Jason, you're a Spotify denier. What does all this tell us? The, the datification of everything. Everything must be a mirror to feed your own narcissism. Uh, I'm not a Spotify denier, by the way. I just don't use it because I don't like how badly they pay musicians. What does it tell us? I think it tells us that we really no longer give a shit about giving our data away. Which is, in the case of Spotify, which is, is pretty harmless because, you know, you're just being told what you listen to and being given, you were given a town or something, weren't you? Yeah, well? yeah, they correlate your listening and they tell you which town you're most like. And it turns out I'm most like Brighton, where all <laughs> ageing ravers end up <laughs> creaking down the seafront. I was Burlington, Vermont, but okay. I think that's because my top artist was Taylor Swift and... That, that is a, a peak area, apparently, for it. Yeah. But then my next artist after that was Led Zeppelin. So I don't know, are there a lot of Led Zeppelin listeners in Burlington, Vermont? Probably, yeah. It's quite sort of crunchy, hippie type of thing. Probably bang into it. Yeah, maybe. Mm. But Brighton's a fun one to get. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you you know, really I, I cool can get there from five. where I live, I suppose. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to Ava Santina for joining us. Thank you. And thanks to Jason Hazy for joining us. Thank you. Remember, listeners, we've got you covered for Paper Cuts Christmas gifts at podmarket.co.uk. We've got stylish mugs, official T-shirts, even hoodies. And it's still 10% off until Sunday. Visit podmarket.co.uk or follow the link in the show notes. I've been Andrew Harrison and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the sun reveals that Brexit are reviving that old, old story about serving champagne in pint bottles like Churchill used to have.
have. Ministers are on the verge of a law change to allow pint-sized bottles that were banned by Brussels killjoys, writes Harry Cole. So, crumbling hospitals, economy wrecked, wages collapsing, but at least you can get pissed like Churchill. It was all worth it. See you tomorrow. Papercuts was written and presented by Podmasters group editor Andrew Harrison with Ava Santina and Jason Hazley. The producer is Liam Tate, assistant producer is Adam Wright, and audio producer is me, Jade Bailey. Music is by Simon Williams, socials by Jess Harkin, design by Jim Parrott, with original art by Modern Toss. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh, and managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. Papercuts is a Podmasters production.